You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported, Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting for WFHB, this is Nathaniel Weinsapple. And I'm Cade Young. This is the WFHB Local News for Tuesday, March 1st, 2022. Later in the program, we have a few minutes with the mayor, a regular segment where we pose questions to Bloomington's mayor. Today, Deputy Mayor Don Griffin will stand in for Mayor John Hamilton. More in today's feature report. Also coming up in the next half hour, WFHB correspondent Zero Rose continues his conversation with Emily Hamilton, Senior Research Fellow and Director of the Urbanity Project at George Mason University. Stay tuned to hear part two of the conversation. But first, your daily headlines. On February 22nd at the Monroe County Community School Corporation board meeting, some parents spoke out against the mask mandate. The school corporation had originally decided to make masks optional 30 days after March 4th, when Monroe County's mask mandate is set to expire. Parents made public comments against the additional 30-day period and asked the board to lift the school's mask mandate when the county does. Concerned parent Grant Hurd said enforcing the masks beyond the March 4th deadline does not make sense. I'm Grant Hurd. I'm here about the uh, optional mask. I, I came in here. It's my first time here. And I look on your wall. You have engage and educate. And I'm in a profession where I have to engage with people all the time. If you don't see people's face, you can't truly engage. So our kids are not getting engaged with their teachers. They're, they're not. So they're not learning. And to sit there and say a 30-day optional period, and you might have your mind made up. I see some of your faces already. Like, you aren't listening. And that's fine. And that's okay. But I'm a, I'm a concerned parent. And I know some of you kids, you guys have kids. If you go to the playgrounds, guess what these kids are doing after school? They have no mask. So what common sense does it make to make them sit there for eight hours a day in a mask on? As soon as they leave your building, they're, they're not in masks. And so I just don't understand it. You're asking your teachers to do something they can't do with masks. They cannot engage with these kids. And until that happens, our educational program is going to be crushed. My kid is losing opportunities to learn every day. And so this 30 days extra, if these kids that need masks, if they haven't been doing it for the last two years, what have they been doing? That makes no sense. They've had two years to get, they're going to school, so wherever they're wearing now should be working for them. And so, therefore, what do you need another 30 days? Like, I will say this, COVID has made us lose common sense. Like, this common sense. So, we just want to put common sense back into the school board. That's it. Like, just use common sense. Miss Kirby, another parent, said that the school board was enforcing the mask mandate because they were afraid of COVID-19 themselves, not on behalf of the students' well-being. I would like to start off by reading the definition of fear. Fear is an unpleasant emotion caused by the benefit that someone or something is dangerous or likely to cause pain. 
Let me tell you, the students of MCCSC should not be feared and they should be respected for adhering to your fearful policies for two years. This board has made decisions based on fear. You have disregarded what experts, facts, doctors, and staff have suggested because of your personal fear of the virus. I have watched the room be cleared for 15 minutes because you felt unsafe. I didn't feel unsafe that day. You have worn two masks because of your fear, and now you are wanting to punish the students and staff because of your fear. The students have to had to adjust for two years. I think it's time for you to bend a little. You were, cho you were chosen to make decisions based on facts, not personal feelings, and certainly not feelings of fear. I am asking you tonight to put your fear to the side and make your decision based on facts. Put your emotions aside and listen to the evidence. The pandemic is over. All the counties around us have moved on. Are you willing to lose more MCCSC students because you are too scared to live without a mask? We all know how much money was lost when you were too scared to open. I would like to point out the hypocrisy of your fear-driven policies. A student can go to a basketball game in your building without a mask on, but then get kicked out of class the same day for not wearing a mask. So does COVID only exist during school hours? If masks were so important, then why isn't it enforced during the extracurricular activities? Are you directly disobeying the mask mandate of Monroe County? It doesn't seem to bother you for sports. Why can't the kids take it off then too? Another mother said that her son asked her to speak at the school board meeting about the extra 30 days. Uh, my name is Hallie and I have a, and actually the reason I'm here tonight, um, my first night actually ever missing him to a sports event. He's actually wrestling for the county meet at uh, Jackson Creek right now, um, where they're all unmasked, wrestling around, rolling with each other on the ground. Um, literally sweating at each other. Like I hate to admit this, but my son literally said he tasted some kid's armpit last week. Like they can do that, but yet they can't sit in desk at school all day without their math. Um, he asked me to come here tonight and he asked me to speak because they're not, people aren't listening to them. They're not being heard. You know, when I saw your recommendation come out Dr. Oswald, I thought, great, their minds are made up. Um, I've heard your minds are made up, but I'm really hoping your guys' minds are not made up. It makes no sense for us to go another 30 days, none. We've gone to, um, just in the last two weeks, we've gone to um, Bedford and Indian Creek to wrestle. No mask mandates there. We're in there with all those kids with no mask. Um, he does year-round sports. He's been with all these kids with no mask. So why in school when they're having no contact, sitting in their desk, learning, do they have to wear these masks? It just, it makes no sense to me. And I really hope you guys have not got your minds made up and that you will consider unmasking our kids because 30 more days is, it makes no sense. There's no point in 30 more days. Let's do it now. Let's do it on March 4th. The board debated when to lift the mask mandate with votes split four to three, but decided to make masks optional starting on March 4th. According to an MCCSE COVID-19 update, masks will still be required on buses, 
but students will no longer have to quarantine if they are exposed to someone with COVID-19. The next MCCSC school board meeting will be held on March 22nd. Up next, we have a few minutes with the mayor, a regular segment where we pose questions to Bloomington's mayor on community issues. In today's segment, WFHB Assistant News Director, Noelle Herhusky Schneider, speaks with the Deputy Mayor Don Griffin about the role of a Deputy Mayor, the housing crisis, and annexation. All that and more in today's edition of A Few Minutes with the Mayor. Welcome back to Minutes with the Mayor, where we ask your questions and questions we have about what's going on around town. I'm, I've never really heard much about the role of a deputy mayor. Um, so what does the role of a deputy mayor entail? Like, what does a typical day for you look like? Oh my gosh. So you have, it's really, people claim when they, when they first were telling me about the job, cause I just had, uh, you know, I've been a real estate agent for 30 plus years and that was the only job I had ever had. And so it, that was a job where I worked all the time. And, and so people would say, Oh, um, having this job, having this new job is going to be like, drinking from a fire hose. And I would laugh and say, you're, you're, you know, it can't be that bad because I come from a job that where I work all the time. I had no idea. No one prepared me for uh, the life of being a deputy mayor. Um, it, it is, so every single department head reports to the deputy mayor. So that's the fire, that's the police, that's legal, that's the hand department, that's planning and zoning, that's uh, that's every there's, there's, that's every single department mm -hmm. reports to the deputy mayor. So um, I have to I, basically it it allows the deputy mayor allows the mayor to make big decisions because the deputy mayor is running the day-to-day -day operations. Mm -hmm. But what's interesting, I also get to be involved in, you know, I'm part of the, I'm, it's, it's me and the mayor and a few other people that we're constantly talking about daily, uh, talking about long-term things as well. Um, so it never stops. But the thing is, I love it. And, it's transferable. The skills are transferable from what I've been doing for 30 years because at, at any one time I'm dealing with, uh, in real estate, I'm, I might be dealing with 30 to 40 buyers and then I'm dealing with 30 to 50 sellers uh, and then we're dealing with marketing and then we're, you know, we're paying our employees and 
you know, we're looking at long-term term and short-term marketing and so on and so forth. And so um, having all those things going on at the same time uh, uh, kind of set me up for this job. What kind of reports are they bringing to you? Do you have to, like, sign off on anything, or are you just kind of, like, juggling? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like juggling, but it's also helping people make decisions. I mean, what, but, but what's great is the people that work on the directors, I mean, these are all world-class people, whether it's the police chief or the fire chief or uh, our general counsel or uh, John Zodian Hand or Adam at Street. These people, they know their stuff. They could go anywhere and make three times as much money as they do, but because they love Bloomington and they love helping mm-hmm. people, they're right here. So it's really cool to be able to, to, you know, you have these people asking you, so what should you do? And sometimes they just need assurance to let them know that you've got this. Like, or, hey, that's a really great idea. I, I'm basically a sounding board. Um, and, uh, you know, yeah, there are decisions that we have to make that are that have political consequences uh, that are, you know, because every decision you make is not going to be popular with every single person. But some you have to still make decisions, you know? Is there a decision recently? I mean, there's decisions every day. I mean, whether or not uh, how we handle, you know, any crisis. And there's always going to be a crisis because there's too many, there's too many pieces to, I mean, that's, that's, that's what a city is for. I mean, that's what government is for, is to handle you know, because things are not perfect. So we're trying to smooth out the bump, the, the bumps that are everyday bumps. And uh, so there's decisions being made on a daily, a, a daily basis. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm trying to think of another, um, just everything, uh, whether it's how do we, you know, this, this might be a problem well, how do we, or, or this is the decision we make, you now how do we uh, communicate that to the public? Or how do we let everyone, how, how do we educate people on the decisions that we're making? You know, mm-hmm. we, we have to do that. The hospital, uh, so large projects like the hospital um, reuse, where we're buying the hospital, um, the convention center, negotiating uh, 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 trying to put a, a, the convention center moving that forward. That's another thing that uh, that I I have to to, to deal with. I'm going to jump into that annexation and remonstration question. Um, I think your position as a real estate agent for 30 years, and now you know being totally behind the scenes working with you know all of these different departments. How do you? think the annexation remonstration process has been going on between Monroe County and Bloomington. And do you have any insight? You know, um, you know, decisions. Look, we, we as a city have to grow, Uh, you know, and unfortunately we were stopped by the, the state um, years ago. And it was found that, that you know legally wasn't right and so we were given the opportunity to go right back and 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 uh, uh, try for annexation again Um, it's a long process 
we, we always knew that a lot of uh, decisions would have to be made uh, through the courts, and uh, and we're just going to keep going with it. Um, you know, a lot of our housing issues that we have is a lack of inventory, and it's not something that just Bloomington can fix. Our our county needs to be more of a um, they need to play more of a role in in creating more housing. If we have more housing, then the housing becomes affordable. But right now, we're bottlenecked. There are hardly any properties left where we can get any mass, any large masking of, of single-family homes or even duplexes for, for families or workforce housing. And all the property within the city limits is so expensive because of proximity to the university. Um, mm -hmm. And, and so even from an investment standpoint, if an investor is looking at these these properties and they're paying, a, you know, a million dollars uh, for a quarter of an acre, you know, close to downtown, um, then um, the only way those numbers work is if you lease it, if you lease the properties once you build them. Um, if you lease the because the payoff is greater, it's gonna you're gonna have to get a, the pay the, the the break even point has to has to uh, uh, go on. It's gonna take longer. The break even point is gonna take longer to get to. Um, uh, I don't know if that makes any sense, but you mm -hmm. they, you really can't make enough money because the land cost and development cost is so expensive. You really can't make money on actually selling the properties unless you're you know, you're selling a thousand square feet for a million bucks. It, the numbers just don't work. So, so that's why you're seeing all these luxury apartments uh, targeted towards students uh, 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 downtown, and you're not getting a lot of uh, a single family or um, or workforce housing. Um, we we need going back to the county. We need them to uh, create more opportunities for more density. On the, pro on the land that they've got out there. And I think annexation will kind of help that. Um, I think you answered kind of both about my, the housing crisis and the annexation administration. We're developing in a way that just, there's like, it's not like there's not many like fabulous options. You either get cement suburbia or you get people who are rich and have like a house with like so many acres and they feel like there's no middle ground. Well, that that's the problem with the way it's set up now. Uh, you know, it's a lot of property is you you do one house per two and a half acres. So what you know, you have to sell that piece of property for so a developer has to sell that property for so much money. And if 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 the property is going to cost that amount, the house has to be fairly large too to make any sense. And so the more density that you create. Uh, on a piece of property, the 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 more ha you know the 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 cheaper the lot, not cheap a lot, but cheap. The, you understand what I'm saying? If we can get four mm -hmm. houses on, or even eight houses on uh, an acre of ground, the costs go down dramatically, and the amount of inventory we get also increases. And and you have to understand, I'm a I was a proponent since I've been in the business for 30 years. I was a proponent of keeping Bloomington, you know, uh, stopping what they call urban sprawl. 
Mm-hmm. That's what we were trying to do in the early 90s and, and late 2000s. We intentionally created density within the city limits so we would not have to create more infrastructure and more sprawl in the, in, in the, uh, in the county. And it was great. It was, it was a great idea. And, but unfortunately, not unfortunately, it's a good, it's a good thing. It's a good problem mm-hmm. to have. Bloomington has just grown and grown and grown and it's grown past the, the, you know, it's not the same mm-hmm. town. It's not the same small town or large town. We are a small city now. And our, our idea has got, to, you know, that, that 90s mm-hmm. idea of what Bloomington uh, 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 was has got to change, and the county's got to change with us. And when I say Bloomington, I'm saying our community in general. You know, so I understand what you're saying. Like, yeah, you, don't, you hate for this beautiful farmland to be, uh, to be developed, but what, what do you – the housing prices are ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And the only way to change that is by increasing the amount of houses. I used to think that hand would handle a lot. And then I learned very recently that hand maybe doesn't have as much power as I thought it did in like making sure that all of these um, renting situations are you know up to par with standards. I learned that in Indiana specifically, we have some legislation that makes it hard to kind of you know, control landlords. Yeah, they really, there, there were things like um, we, um, and you, gosh, you might want to have John Zodi on it on here, but there, mm-hmm. there used to be things that we would, you know, we do our inspections there. We, we could find people in a certain way. We could, and all that's changed because Indiana is such a, you know, it's it's a very conservative uh, uh, state who fa- that favors the property owners over government and favors the property owners over tenants. I mean, I'm just going to say it. Um, uh, and, and so a lot of things that we had uh, that, that, that we, a lot of things that we a lot of things that we did that had teeth in it have been taken out, taken away from us in ways of punishing landlords. We still can punish them for, uh, uh, you know, and fine them, uh, but it's not nearly uh, as great as how, you know, what we used to be able to do. That's what I'm hearing. But um, there's still ways of, you know, there's still ways of, of making, you know, making sure they can, they, they do what they're supposed to do. And I'm just curious from your position as deputy mayor, how you think Bloomington is doing at addressing uh, climate change concerns? So, I, you know, I, I think we are doing well for Indiana. I think we're doing, I think we're doing well for You know, for the um, we're doing we're doing well. How can I say this? 
when, when you look at the measurements, I mean, of, of who we're measuring ourselves against, we're doing well, okay? And I, I want to say this, like, get fired up about climate change. Get, let's get fired up about uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion and mm-hmm. uh, uh, making our community accessible, right? These are things mm-hmm. that we need to get fired up about, not whether or not your child is going to wear a mask for another 30 days. Um, but I, I'm going back, going back to what you said about climate change. I, I think we've got to, when we look at other communities I, 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 around Indiana in regards to climate change, we do okay, but I think we've got to set the bar, bar higher. I don't. I, I, I think I'm tired of living um, living with perception that Bloomington's perceived to be a a town that cares about climate change. But why can't we be world class? Why can't we really just go for it? Right. Same with diversity, equity, and inclusion. Why can't we just go for that? Why can't we be a model city when it comes to doing that? And I think this administration, I think that's that's uh that's our next our our, our next step. That's what we're we're going with. Uh we want to you know, we want to walk the walk for now on. You know? Mm-hmm. Earlier you mentioned um like the long term planning and you said, like, what do you want Bloomington to look like later on? And um, I was curious what your vision is. I don't. I, I, I think I, I want us to be trailblazers when it comes to all those things, quality of life and uh, the sustainability part, uh, the DEI, the arts. I really want to see Bloomington. I think the, the, the city of Bloomington, uh, we have more um, – I think we have more artists and musicians per capita than just about any place in the country. I'm not sure about that, but I bet you anything we could find records to say that that's the case. And I, and I think that that's who we are. I think we need to lean into that more. I think we know, need more venues, uh, music venues. I think we need to engage our neighborhoods and our communities more when it comes to uh, uh, uh Either selling their 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 art or busking, you know. On I, I think this community just needs to embrace that, and we need to become a musical and an artistic destination. I think that's mm-hmm. our future. If you have any questions, please send us an email at wfhb.org or give us a call. That's all for this week. Thanks for listening. Support for the WFHB Local News is brought to you by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. 
MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. More information online at mpisolar.com. You've been listening to WFHB Local News. Today's headlines were written by Noelle Herhusky Schneider in partnership with CATS, Community Access Television Services. Our feature was produced by Zero Rose. A Few Minutes with the Mayor was produced by Noelle Herhusky Schneider. Our theme music is produced by Mark Bingham and the Social Climbers. For WFHB, this is your engineer and executive producer, Cade Young. And I'm Nathaniel Weinzapple. Thanks for supporting Indiana's only volunteer-powered, listener-supported, independent daily news program. You can hear tonight's full broadcast online at WFHB.org. The WFHB Local News is also available as a podcast. Just search our call letters, WFHB, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Subscribe to never miss another local news program. Stay tuned for Planetary Radio a program that explores our solar system and beyond. Coming up next on WFHB Community Radio. You've been listening to the WFHB Local News on WFHB Community Radio. Our news is written and reported by volunteers working to provide local news, cover local issues, and strengthen our local community. We invite you to participate. You may submit questions, comments, and story ideas to news at WFHB.org. You can become a WFHB local news volunteer by attending new volunteer orientation. Feel free to check out the WFHB local news archive at WFHB.org to find newscasts, individual stories, and catch a live feed of the WFHB local news. We are local, longer, 